You're listening to Code Red with Secure America Now, the largest national security grassroots army. Welcome to Honoring Our Veterans, the new podcast series from Secure America Now, dedicated to telling the stories of America's veterans. My name is Alan Roth. I am president of Secure America Now. And our guest today is Keith Corus, whose father, Robert, served during and after World War II in the Mobile Repair Squadron of the U.S. Air Force. While World War II brings to mind names like Eisenhower, Patton, MacArthur, and Nimitz, it is important to keep in mind that it is that 16 million Americans served in our military during the war. 407,000 sadly died during the war. Secure America Now has been drawing attention to Americans who served in all branches of the military as well as in all the various conflicts that our nation has participated in since our inception as an organization. And today we are launching a podcast to share the experience of Americans at war. And we are fortunate to have with us today, Keith Curris, who is joining us and who is going to talk about the experiences of his father during World War II. And we, I'm just going to uh, sit back, listen, and, uh, and learn from uh, the words of Keith. And I want to thank you for coming here and participating in this, Keith. And um, why don't you begin by explaining who your father was, how you got interested in his experiences, and uh, it's all yours. You have the floor, please. Okay. Well, my my, my father was a, um, my father was a, one of ten children, I think, and um, he used to tell me all these horror stories. His parents died when he was fairly young. He had he and his other brothers, older brothers, had to raise their younger brothers and sisters, and they grew up in a tough time during the Depression and things like that. Um, my dad was lucky; he got a I, I don't know if he got a scholarship. He went to he went to a small college you probably never heard of called McKendree College in Lebanon, Illinois, and he got a college degree. And he ended up being a teacher in the East St. Louis, Illinois school system. When World War II started, he I don't I, he he ended up in the army. He got he got into the army, U.S. Army. And um, what he told me, he was a, he was he got selected to be in the army. Since he was an officer, since he was a college graduate, they sent him to officer training school down in Miami Beach, Florida because I have a plaque on my wall that his students made for him at Lansdowne Junior High School. It says he's a lieutenant in the uh, U.S. Army Air Force. And um, he, went, he went to Miami Beach, Florida, and he succeeded, and he, he passed that class. 
and then he he went up the uh, he, he ended up in New York City, and that's how he met my mother. He met when I gather he met my mother in the U.S. The whole thing before he shipped out, and um, he went to Europe on the Queen Mary. And he told me that they went to, they didn't go directly across to England because it was too dangerous because of a U-boat. He told me they went to Scotland instead. So he went the northern route, he told me, on the Queen Mary, ended up in Scotland. He went down to England, and he was in, they put him in the U.S. Army. There was no Air Force then. It was part of the Army. It was first called the Army Air Corps, I think, and then it became the Army Air Force. He put together a unit. They promoted him. He, he, he went from lieutenant to captain fairly rapidly, I, I was told, because uh, he was made a squadron commander in the U.S. Army Air Force and the 9th Air Force, the 9th Service Group, and he commanded a, what they call a mobile, a mobile repair and reclamation squadron. And they sat in Europe for several years, uh, sat in England for, for a while, and uh, after D-Day happened, they went across the channel on a LST. I've got pictures. My dad was very good. My dad, he took literally hundreds of photographs that he that I ended up seeing about his adventures in World War II. He crossed the, the he crossed the English Channel, ended up at Omaha, at Omaha Beach, and they took the war from there. Visit www.secureamericannow.org to watch videos, sign a petition, or make a donation to our cause to help us educate more Americans about the importance of strong national security. Interested in seeing the truth about the records of the 2020 Democratic candidates for president? Visit www.2020democrats.info to learn more. Grade the candidates and share information with your friends and family. Help us educate the American people on the dangerous activity of the radical Iranian regime by visiting www.monitoriran.com and share recent articles about their activity. Want to keep up with our efforts outside the Code Red podcast? Go like our Facebook page, Secure America Now. Follow us on Twitter at Secure America and follow us on Instagram at Secure America Now. You can also find the Code Red podcast on YouTube. Search for Secure America and subscribe to our channel. Don't miss a single Code Red podcast. Subscribe today on Spotify, iTunes, or Podbean. He was never in combat. He never fired a, 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 a you know a shot. His unit was a support unit. He had a he had a hundred. He said he had a he, he he used to tell me. We used to talk about this. I've been interested. He used to just tell me all these stories when I was a kid. He said his unit was equivalent to a, a infantry company. He had like 150 men under his command. Um, he had his own jeep. He had a Thompson submachine gun and a 45. And uh, they ended up in northern um, France at least at the beginning of the war. They ended up in Belgium. The closest he ever got to combat was, I don't know if you've heard of the thing called the Battle of the Bulge. It was a, when, the Nazis tried to, when the Nazis tried to retake Europe. Well, my dad was like 50 miles from there. That's, that's the closest he ever got to combat. Because I've got photographs of all that stuff. Uh, he was in Belgium for a while. And um, they, they, they ended up winning the war, of course. There's, he ended up in Germany. Which is kind of unusual. I mean, my ancestors are are, from, are all German, so 
He ended up in Berlin, Germany, at Tempelhof Aerodrome, it was called, which was the principal airport in Berlin. And he was in Berlin for like six months. And um, he, he ran the maintenance squadron. I, I've got pictures that he took of Eisenhower getting on and off airplanes and other generals and big shots and everything like that. He came home and he came back to New York on the Queen Mary at the end of 1945. And he met, uh, he grabbed my mother and he took her down to East St. Louis, Illinois, where he was from originally. And they got married. And um, um, he got her almost, he got her pregnant almost right away with my sister, Roberta, because uh, she was born in 46. When he got out of the Army, the Air Force was a, the, the Air Force became a part of the you know separate branch of the government in 1947. He he became a, a Air Force Reserve officer, and um, he ended up becoming a principal in the school system. He was a principal at two different schools at one time, and then when they started the Great Society of Lyndon Johnson, uh, he he got involved with the Instructional Media Center. Uh, which was uh, a government money and everything about having uh, uh, stuff at school, audiovisual stuff in schools. And uh, when he was 62, he retired. And uh, he, he died in 1998 when he was 89 years old. And I've been fascinated with my father. I'm very proud of my father. I have put his name and his stuff in the award. I, uh, when they when they announced the World War II Memorial in Washington D.C., Bob Dole was behind all yeah. that. I I contributed money to that. He his name is in their in their database uh, because I'm very proud of what Father did. Because my father was not a hero per se, but he did his job, and it took four. I mean, he the it took four years out of his life to be in the military and during World War II. Keith, uh, first off, I want to say that you've done a superb job in describing what I would call a typical life of citizen soldiers. Yeah. They didn't start a war, but when the nation needed them, they joined. They put their lives on the line, and thank God that your father and millions of others didn't get injured didn't get killed, and um, and then they came back home, and in your father's case, which was not the norm, he joined the reserves, and he didn't have to do that, And um, but he did. He did it on behalf of himself, his family, and his country, and yeah. it's, it's a great story because that's, that's who we are as Americans. Thank you for listening to Code Red with Secure America Now. We are the largest national security digital platform in the nation, dedicated to bringing critical security issues to the forefront of the American debate. For more information, visit our website at www.secureamericanow.org.